Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. First with us today, we got J-Bone. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And also with us today, we got Dan. Hey, 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 and another hey, 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 hey. Uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. Glad to be here. Good to be back. So today, I mean, we got some beers that we drink. We might get into that later, but we haven't done a shot on the show for a while. So we got some whiskey. That shot, 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 shot. Dan brought it over. We had it on the podcast before, but it's been a while. You want to explain Oh, do I got some splaining to do? <laughs> what we drinking? Um, well, like Locke said before, it made a uh, appearance before, but it's a fistful of bourbon. Apparently, they started with fistful of whiskey and then decided to move to bourbon. And uh, good idea. Yeah, what it is is uh, it's from New Jersey, from William Grant and Sons. I don't know what else they make. This is the only thing I've ever had. But I mean, it is five different types of bourbon mixed together to make a uh, good ass blend. It's 90 proof, and it's pretty fucking good. We've had it a couple times, and I've had it with a few different people. I've never heard any complaints. Yeah, it's really good. Most blended, it would be scotch. It's really good for blended bourbon. It's nice taste. Since it is a pretty good whiskey, we probably should have put it in some glasses and sipped on it. But instead, we're going to do a shot of it like it was at a fucking dive bar. Hey, yes. you know what I'm doing? We're doing it like uh, the old school outlaws. I don't know yet what this story is about, but we'll act like it's a cowboy. And that's, right. we're at the bar and we're just getting shots. All right. Well, salute. 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 I am not a big shot taker. I am way more of a sipper. This one, uh, it's not that bad. Like that shot doesn't burn too much. goes down pretty smooth. Support for this episode of Say Hello to the Bad Guy is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. And they just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. So join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BADGUY at manscaped.com. So we got the performance package 4.0 with the Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, what do you guys think? Awesome. Yeah. Last set of clippers I'll need for a while because the ceramic blades are changeable. My balls are smooth as eggs. My plums are plums again, not peaches. Yeah. Fuzz free. And I mean, you hear all the time about the lawnmower. That's their big flagship product. But um, they got a lot of other good ass shit there. The uh, the weed whacker, which uh, is for your ears and nostrils. I don't got the ear hair yet, but the way my body's going, I probably will. <laughs> but I, I do got some weeds up in the nostrils. And uh, yeah, this thing took care of it pretty good i actually like the little ball freshener thing they give you like yeah. uh because i've always been a fresh ball type dude I've always like been a- since <laughs> i was a kid since i was old enough to like care about hygiene and whatnot but these are like minty fresh i mean these are like <laughs> after dinner balls <laughs> yeah. i mean i've always been a powder puppy myself but now they have uh in the kit that we got it was the reviver and the preserver yeah a little after 
after showers, like little Home Alone splash. They go, ah! But it doesn't sting. That's just for yeah. comedic effect. You feel that handle, like of the lawnmower, the 4.0. It's the flashlight's really a unique feature or whatever. But that's like mm. as a gangster podcast. It feels like your Glock handle, you know? And I mean, at first you might think like, oh, the light. They're just throwing some, du- like, is this thing going to unfold a cork or two? Like you think it's, but that light, it fucking thing comes in handy when you hit the undercarriage. For sure. Yeah. Harken back to the, uh, like when we were in construction in our younger years, like remember when they first put the lights on like your impact drills and stuff like, you figure like, yeah. I don't need a light on my drill until you're bent down in a corner and that light, same thing you're with trying the ball to, trimmer. you're trying to drill your taint and all of a sudden you're like, fuck. Like you didn't think you needed help with the gooch area, like until you're like, ah, oh, this light, this mirror, yeah. bam! Turns out I've been missing the same patch of my taint for yeah. years. So, and the light, the light works, but you could turn it on and off. But you can also put the shaver on travel mode so that it doesn't turn, turn on. When on. Yeah, like, that's a big thing too. You don't want to have it in your carry on. Then all of a sudden they hear some buzzins. Then you got to go behind the curtain for the TSA to check it out. They check it they out. They think it's a dildo. They, they know it's the lawnmower 4.0. They've seen it. They know. But those other people in line that just watched you, they don't know. They have no idea. So. Don't end up in the airport with people thinking that you got a dildo. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> and in secret screenings. And what sucks is even if you announce when you come, it wasn't a dildo, you guys. They're not going to believe, believe you. you. Doth protest too much. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code badguyatmanscape.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And make sure you use our promo code because it's the best way mm-hmm. to support us. Yep, for sure. Support the podcast. You get anything from they got foot dust, lip balm, the boxers, they shampoo. Got, yeah, shampoo, Everything's soaps. a good product. So go to manscaped.com. Make sure you put promo code bad guy. Support the podcast. Now, before we get started, we got to make sure we take the time to thank Sixpo Sueno for letting us use his music, or his music in the intro. We got to thank Cancer for letting us use his music in the mid-roll. You can follow them both on Instagram, six foes, F-O-E, and Cancer is at Cancer the God. You can follow us at Bad Guy Podcast on both Instagram and TikTok and the Bad Guy Pod on Twitter. If you're having a hard time finding any of it, it's all on BadGuyPodcast.com. So today we'll get started and the bad guy we're covering is George Kelly Barnes. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. We got George Kelly Barnes, a.k.a. Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, this is a story about that rapper? Or, I'm sorry, that punk rocker? Punk pop? Uh, I think we're talking about this Machine Gun Kelly, who adorns my uh, shot glass. No, we're talking about Megan Mm -hmm. Fox's new girlfriend. Yeah, so I got the set of shot glasses that we always have in the studio. Who'd you drink out of tonight, if you don't mind? So mine was uh, John Dillinger. Dan, who was yours? A uh, pretty boy, Floyd, because I'm a pretty boy. So I figured I just, I didn't even look. I just po- I poured them out and just uh, handed them out and seen if. Uh, you got you the know. golden ticket. Yep. The, the gods do shine upon me. Yeah. <laughs> you won. There's no prize or anything, but. No, but when I. But woke, you won. When I woke up, I won. So it's commonly reported that he was born July 18th, 1895 in Memphis, Tennessee. His son says he was born in 1900 in Chicago, Illinois, and moved to Memphis when he was two years old. Oh, but his son wasn't there. His son, his son wasn't there. Well, whatever. Sometimes we go through this with the immigrants that, that they just want to say they were born in the old country before they came here or whatever. But like, 
this is still within America. So fuck yeah. where you were born. You you went to Memphis. You, right. At some point, he's yeah. in Memphis pretty we, young. That's we where... went through this before. Yeah. You learned to wipe your ass in Memphis. <laughs> that's where you were from. If you were still shitting yourself before you relocated, that's where you were. So as you go through the story, some of the evidence checks out either way. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just throw them both up front. He grew up in an upscale neighborhood, and his dad was an insurance executive. In high school, he got caught and arrested for selling bootleg liquor out of the trunk of his car. His dad had to use his connections to get him out of trouble. And before he graduated, his mother died, which devastated him. He was kind of a mama's boy. And uh, when his mom died, he kind of blamed his dad. He said his dad, like, fucked around on his mom. That would have so caused he, her that, health that, that caused her to die. <laughs> he cheated on her to death. What <laughs> the fuck? That's a lot of cheating on her, man. Poor think, Mrs. What'd she die of? A broken heart? <laughs> I don't she, think Mr. Barnes knows how medicine works. Oh, no, but that's a, it's kind of weird, like at the start. Cause I mean, I vaguely know Machine Gun Kelly. I think everybody knows a little bit about him or whatever, but normally on these devil. things, he always starts as a, uh, as like hoodlums. Like they had shitty parents. They grew up broke. Like. No, this guy was like an a rich little exec. You live like, in a fucking gated community. Not really, but like an upscale neighborhood. He was like the 80s villain, like the rich kid that just got into bad stuff so his parents would notice him. He's B-Rad. Yeah. So in 1917, he enrolled in Mississippi State University. At the time, it was Mississippi A&M, and he went there to study agriculture. He was a poor student, and his only good grade was a C-plus that he got for good personal hygiene. <laughs> Hey, I remember Tony okay. Soprano telling AJ, like, you can't even get a C. Well, fucking impersonal. What sort of state are we? Like, that's honor roll. Like, we should all be getting straight A's in this class. Get on Manscaped. <laughs> what are you doing? C plus? Come on. I know the lawnmower wasn't around back then, but, I mean, I figure you wash your balls, you get a C. Like, oh. what the hell? did you wipe your ass, you get a C. Goddamn. Like... Well, that's what's fucked up is you think, oh, a C plus, that's a pretty good grade. And they're like, personal hygiene. Like, what? What? I mean, it's better than an F. He wasn't like, yeah. like, who the fuck flunks out of that class? As an adult, you got him at 5'10", 177, blue-gray eyes. He's kind of a, like, kind of a ladies' man, kind of a charming dude. That fine physique. He's described as muscular. I see some pictures where he's older where he looks a little bit more chubby. So maybe he was muscular when he was younger or whatever, but. Well, I mean, he might 5'10", be, he, 177, he could have been too chubby at that time. Right, but that was when he, I don't, yeah, you're right. Maybe he just got that Matt Stafford face. He's a world-class athlete, but he's got chubby cheeks, so I just think he didn't work out hard. <laughs> <laughs> you like those high cheekbones in your mobsters. He was constantly in trouble, and he always had issues with the faculty, and he spent most of his time working off demerits for poor behavior. Yeah, so he was constantly, he was just that stereotypical rich asshole kid, and then his daddy got him off out of trouble. I mean, I've always whined like his mom died, so yeah, he's acting out a bit, as a young man would. After a semester and a half, he met and fell in love with a woman named Geneva Ramsey, and he dropped out of school to marry her. Her father, George Ramsey, was a successful levy contractor. Him and his father-in-law are real close. The daddy always wanted. They got know? that George George so connection. He build, does he build levies? Does he get into the family biz with them? With pops? Yeah, he gets a job as a clerk. And uh, they have a couple kids. And everything's fucking going good. And then uh, in 1919, George Ramsey accidentally blew himself up with a stick of dynamite. I mean, there's something that's just so jarring to hear. Like, yeah, accidentally blew himself up with dynamite. Like, he's fucking Wiley Coyote. But then when you think it through, yeah, dynamite was... 
a heavily used construction tool. And, and OSHA probably wasn't yeah. as on point as they are now in right. the yeah. demolition field. And he's just out there fucking slapping some fucking blasting caps in it. Like, oh, back in my day, we didn't worry yeah. about BAM! Well, if he wasn't there, who was going to show the six-year-old how to do it? You know what I mean? With Big George gone, the, the business starts failing. His wife ends up selling it. Damn, you think old the new George could uh, take the reins there a little bit. No, he tried to start a goat farm, which didn't work, and he tried selling used cars, and that didn't work. And uh, he ended up he ended up working as a cab driver in Memphis. But working long hours, George wasn't making ends meet. They had financial problems. Uh, he started drinking. Eventually, with prohibition in full swing, George linked up with a small time gangster and uh, he visited his high school racket and started bootlegging. And this he was good at, and he made a bunch of money. See, why did he, he went in this big fucking circle? Turns <laughs> out he just should have been selling well, you know booze out of his car about, this whole time. You know what's cool and weird about that story is when he bootlegged in high school was prior to Prohibition. Prohibition, you see, he's kind of not a loser, but like he father-in-law's business fails, then he does this. He wants to do a fucking goat cheese farm, and he's a fucking <laughs> cab driver in Memphis, Tennessee, in 1919. So the fact that you had that on your resume way back when, like when you were 15, 16, you were bootlegging, like, that's really cool, like, shit. Because so, now when you get into Prohibition, that's a that's like you're the Henry Ford of basement whiskey. So, like, one of the reasons the Purple Gang was better at bootlegging than the rest of the country was because Michigan had the Damon Act because Henry Ford wanted a sober workforce. So Michigan had went dry previously to actual prohibition so they had work experience yes. right well so did these bootleggers down south because he was when he was doing it in high school it was in dry counties all them christian dry counties like. yeah so he'd go bootleg into areas like that or to just little kids where even where it was legal it's not illegal to sell it out of your trunk he becomes a successful bootlegger he makes a lot of money and he kind of stops coming around now he's drinking but he's out partying all the time so he's bootlegging and partying and his wife don't really see him. He starts getting arrested a lot, and he just becomes known as, like, the neighborhood bad guy and shit. He just became a drunk, but turned that into productivity. Right. Like, just turned it around into a business. He's a dude that wanted to get drunk, and they're like, hey, Prohibition starting. Fuck that. I want to keep drinking. We'll never underestimate how much of that dry county wants to be a party animal with you. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> if you're doing it in your basement, we're your customers, bro. So at some point, he's getting arrested all the time. He's just that guy. Geneva divorced him in 1926. She divorced him for the disreputable company he kept. It's just a fancy way of saying, all your friends are assholes. And whenever you get drunk around, you turn into an asshole too, George. I'm leaving you. All you want to do is hang out with them ragamuffins. All you do is get drunk and hang out with your dickhead friends. She announced their divorce in the paper since she didn't know where to locate them. <laughs> I don't know to who it may concern. I don't know where you are, but this is an open letter. Consider yourself divorced. That's George. kind of crazy. Like that's how you jokes find out. on you. I don't like, read the paper. But how fucked up is that? Like <laughs> you do read the paper. You open it up, and like that's how you found out. Like, oh goddamn! You just read. There's an article. Your wife saying, "Hey, I'm leaving you, dickhead." Since you're not around, I had to announce it to everyone. Well, so George took it really hard, so he uh, he decided to change his name to George R. Kelly and moved west with his girlfriend. He moves out west. Well, and then the, he said he also, he changed it to Kelly. He didn't want it to come back. He didn't want his, like, trouble and shit to come back. His to, old uh, life to catch back up. Yeah, he didn't want it to fucking uh, come back to his house. Uh, to sully his the house. name. Yeah. Well, yeah, his, his kids. So he bounces out and he goes out west and there he does bootlegging, but he's doing more like what we're talking about is like country bootlegging, like dry county bootlegging. 
where he's just like running from county to county and shit. Like old the old school NASCAR shit. Yeah. So he does that for a while. 1927, he did a couple months for a bootlegging charge in New Mexico. Then in 1928, he got caught bootlegging on a reservation in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The locals loved him, but our federal government was like, boy, you can't do that. Yes. So the federal government was like, hey, that was a terrible mistake. And, I love uh, how this is in that weird era where it's it's after, like, cowboys are dying out, the mobsters are starting to take over, but he's out there running liquor through Indian territory and shit, <laughs> like it's old school fucking yeah, outlaw shit. That is fucked up. Because it is still kind of outlaw times. You are on a car instead of a horse, but it's, it's still the fucking West. Him and, and Billy and the kid are drinking together in a saloon. It's, it's how Young Gun starts. <laughs> like, he's that car that goes by. Hey, boy, let me tell you. <laughs> He was machine young gun, Kelly? Yes. So, yeah, that made it a federal charge, and he was sentenced to three years in Leavenworth Federal Prison. The big house. Oh, there's Mississippi State University. No, he went to Leavenworth State University. Right. To criminal college. The he bad go- guy fraternity. He goes there. He he just clicks up with a bunch of gangsters. Some of them are big names. So it was like... Uh, Frank Jelly Nash, who's popped up on a bunch of episodes on here. And then these two guys, Keating and Holden. Some people say he might have helped Keating and Holden get out. but like It sounds like a law firm. <laughs> like, that's who he hired to get him out. But he was known as a model prisoner. And he was granted early release in 1930. I mean, so far, we'll see where the story goes and everything. But it seems like, yeah, he's just a drunk guy that likes to booze it up. They said no more boozing. He's like... Well, I'm good at uh, trafficking and driving booze, so I'm going to do that. And that seems to be what he does. He doesn't seem like he's a dick. He ain't out here. Not yet, anyways. But like I said, we'll see how the story goes. But it makes sense that he would go to prison and like just be cool there. Like, not a big problem at all. So, yeah. uh, on the yeah, outside... He's not a, he's not a fi- yeah, I get it. He's not a, a rabble-rouser. He's yeah. just kind of a party. He's like not a again. Like, if Burt Kreischer just took, a, like, an extra notch the other direction. Yeah, know, it was a little bit badder. Like, yeah. Oh, you would fit well If you prison, replace but... that goof with, yeah. that goofiness with a little hard edge, all of a sudden you just got Burt Kreischer fucking, you know, if he would have If he would have done the machine story, but in America. All these guys he was in prison with, like Heating, Colden, Jelly Nash, now it's the late... 20s and they're all bank robbers and they're like nah this uh this depression's starting and it doesn't look good and the fucking bootleg sales is going down they're gonna repeal that shit but these banks are wide open and they just carry cash and you just stroll up in there there's no security it's like fucking taking money and these are all guys in <laughs> prison telling you like oh no it's it's the new wave of the it's the new bitcoin of 19 why are you here with like, me yeah that's also if you go to prison like what are you in for bootleg and like psh- you're still on that shit. You're so 2000 and late. Man, there's this shit called bank robbing. Man, we've been on that. That's the new shit, man. You're still on bootlegging. What the and hell? And it really did take fire, though, because uh, you're, you're about to be in that time. You're about to come up on Public Enemy Number 1, Bonnie and Clyde. You're about to come up on the bank robbers of bank robbers era. You're right in that in that wheelhouse. This motherfucker's still on dial-up. We on DSL. <laughs> right. Yeah, so they tell him, yeah, Robin's the way to go, and then uh, he gets out early. And... <laughs> he goes there, they're just like, oh, you're still bootlegging? Man, Robin Banks is where it's at, and he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. Thanks for the heads up. Nobody, nobody told me. I was just driving a cab, know. you know, so but this, they was, don't this really was... Where do you guys stand you? on goats? How's the goat market nowadays? I thought it would work. Is that so imagine? 
So he gets out and he just returns to bootlegging. And uh, there he meets, he's, you know, he's working with this guy. His name is Steven Anderson, just this two-bit criminal. And uh, they're bootlegging. And this guy's got a mistress named Catherine Thorne. She was described as beautiful. This is her. Pictures do not do her justice. Yes. It's like how you hear of Billy the Kid. I mean, the... which happens too. I mean, know? Billy the Kid was a ladies' man and was good looking. And then the only known picture of him is like, okay, well, this is his cousin Sloth. What's yeah, he, he looks like a goof. Exactly. Yeah. Now, she had a lengthy criminal career. Her mom was kind of criminal before. She'd been a criminal her whole life. And uh, her record included shoplifting, robbery, and prostitution. The trifecta. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She'd been married three times. She had one kid. She had a kid when she was 14. She'd been married three times. Her third husband died of suicide on questionable circumstances. He shot himself in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> one of the pieces of evidence that came up that got thrown out of court was she told a guy... I'm going over there to kill that damn Charlie Thorne. <laughs> Two hours later, he ended up dead. I swear I had nothing to do with it. Well, it's like, like, I mean, I don't know. That's Well, it's also good that she specified to kill Charlie Thorne, not to go kill my husband. Yeah. Like, when you're on, like, full, like, name basis with your spouse. Right. That's when you're having some issues. That's killing territory. Turns out she was a real thorn in his side. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Well, either way, he's dead. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I was just going to ask, did these three husbands all end up dead? Then you, you touched on the third one. Like, yeah, okay, there we go. Under uh, suspicious circumstances. She's like, a that's black widow, baby. So uh, these two fall in love, and they run off together to Minnesota, where George Kelly reaches out to some of his Gangster prison, buddies. Yeah, some of his prison buddies, Holden and uh, Keating. And he's like, hey, you guys still doing that... Uh, bank robbing thing out there they're like yeah up in minnesota come on up we'll rob some stuff (laughs) i mean it just there's nothing even to say that's probably pretty much hey remember the bank robbing thing you're telling me about turns out i'm done with bootleg and i want to try some of that you guys say you just point the gun and they give you the money like yeah man come on up yeah come on up We'll, we'll rob some shit all right we're holed up here we got a farm we rented out we're we're good so he goes up there and the first thing they do they rob a minnesota bank for seventy thousand dollars that was the whole state of Minnesota's money at that time. Which is a modern equivalent of about $1.1 million. So it's a lot of money. <laughs> hey, it turns out this is a lot better than bootlegging. <laughs> you know Beats how the much shit the... out of my goat farm. <laughs> you know how much liquor you have to sell on an Indian reservation to yeah. make 70000 fucking dollars? Normally I have to drive like seven hours. I drove like seven minutes. Yeah, we um, stay two miles from where we robbed the bank because there's no forensics or computers or phone tapping or. Well, I'm gonna go out on limb too that uh, since he used to bootleg or whatever, he was probably a baby driver on this first one. They got the wheel man. Or at the fucking hostile at the barn we're holed up in. Like, are you gonna make another batch of whiskey or what, dickhead? So him and Catherine get married. He got a place in Fort Worth where he'd split his time between robbing banks. And then spending time with his wife. He liked fancy cars and jewelry and shit like that. Catherine bought him his first Thompson machine gun. And she gave him the nickname Machine Kelly. He wasn't a big fan of guns. So it said, like, early on in robberies, he used to always get, like, real nervous. He'd have stomach problems. It was just tough on him. It's like Paul Gizamonte <laughs> from uh, The Sopranos. He got to take a fat <laughs> shit before he robs a fucking place. Well, because he was in there with no gun. Like he had no machine gun. If you have a machine gun, you feel a lot more comfortable yeah. in there. Robin. Help, helps the fucking process a little bit. So they give it to him. Uh, she make she would make him practice consistently. 
It seemed like he might have got pretty good with the, with with the Tommy gun shit, but she'd always tell everybody she'd say that he could shoot uh, walnuts off a fence. So this chick was like his publicist, like she made Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, she named him Machine Gun Kelly. So she said she bought him name, the Thompson and yeah. gave him the oh, sweet nickname. Said your name's yeah. See, he better if he's gonna leave her, he better cheat on her to death because <laughs> she's taking half of everything with her because she created you, motherfucker. She would hand out empty Thompson shells to associates, people at bars, uh, later victims of robberies and stuff. Entrepreneur, like, she's branding this she dude. Cre- she created merch. Yeah, and she don't. She tell them she's like, hey, this is a shell for Machine Gun Kelly. He's an expert machine gunner. She really did help brand that though, because like yeah. we know him now in 2022, like he's a big guy, like everybody. Know. She na- she was selling shells like back then before he even killed anybody. I'm gonna start doing these right now yeah. with these beer caps. I'm gonna start giving the hey. It's a beer cap drink on the bad guy podcast. (laughs) Just keep it. It's going to be worth something sometime. Just start handing out random shit. Hey, here's a pube. I trimmed it this morning from Manscaped. Keep that. Promo code bad guy. Smells a little minty. Did you have some of that crop shaver? But yeah, so she she brands a machine gun, Kelly, and she she tells everybody. Makes him get a machine gun tattoo. If you see super cartoony stuff, it'll say he'd spell his name with a gun, which he for sure didn't do. He might have did something like it on a sign. Like, he he probably got pretty good with his machine gun. Well, I mean, gun, if you're just but... sitting around, it sounds like she made him practice all the time. So if you're just out there shooting a machine gun all the time, yeah, eventually you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to make a smiley face. And she's face. grading him like and an old school just... teacher. Like, no, yeah. that's not a capital K. Like, I mean, what? it's kind of like, I mean, in the wintertime, there's snow out. If you got to take a piss, can't help but try to write your name. It's just going to happen. So eventually, uh, Keating Holden... Got arrested again. Went back to Leavenworth. And he started putting a new, a new gang together. He worked with a guy named Elbert Bates for a long time. And then he worked for a long time with Harvey Bailey, who's been on the show before. He's the His nickname's the Dean of American Bank Robbers. They, they put together a pretty good gang. And they just hit stuff all over the country. So they robbed Colfax, Washington. They hit uh, Trust and Savings for 77000 Now he's there. the lead singer, right? This is like the Machine Gun Kelly gang. Yeah, it's like his gang. They didn't have This is like his a, band. Yeah. They didn't it wasn't, call it that. I but know it was that, no, but. it wasn't even the Machine Kelly gang. It wasn't any gang. It was Machine Gun Kelly, like, starring the Shootettes. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, like, they're they're here too, but they're all like, part of Machine Gun Kelly. There was Rob. There was White Zombie. Then Rob Zombie yeah. did his own thing, yeah. but so had the same guitarist and drummer. I think the only thing that changed was the bassist. But from then on, it was Rob Zombie. So they hit 77000 in Colfax, Washington. There's a Tupelo, Mississippi bank that was $38,000, but it was a big chunk of the money well, that they had in the area, and it really hurt. Like, they, like That was all that problem. town's money, yeah. <laughs> See, that's another thing that like we hear it all the time in all these stories, but sometimes you got to take a step back. The, back then, when banks got robbed, it was like, no, this is the town's money. We need this to survive. Now everyone just sees banks. They are just corporations like... Fuck them losing their money. They just charged me $35 on this overdraft fee. Fuck them. But back then, it's like, yeah, you robbed their shit. Like, they need that <laughs> fucking money. Well, they need That's it. literally all the money. Yeah. This ain't no Federal Reserve shit. That's, yeah. that's Like, it. now the town is going under. Flash this forward is... 100 years to now, like 2022, the two biggest things to ever happen in Tupelo was that bank robbery and Elvis Presley being born there. That's it. <laughs> well, that's he, it. Was, he was born in Tupelo? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking crazy. They hit more banks in Minnesota, Wisconsin was another one. So they were literally all over, you know, because you look at like Wisconsin and shit like that from uh, Washington. That's a 
pretty oh, far. Yeah, that's yeah. almost yeah, semi cross country. You half know? the country. That's a lot. But that's sure. the pattern, though. Um, a lot of your Bonnie and Clyde and dumb shit was like up, like in big circles. They would do Chicago, but then drive way down to Kansas City. Then drive over to Tallahassee, Florida. Like, what the Well, fuck? just for the record, later on, at some point, he has thoughts on Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, sweet. Ooh. Foreshadow. Legend has it that sometimes Catherine would help with the casing and the planning of the robberies. Uh, it's not just rumor yeah. has it. She yeah. definitely was running. It's the Machine Gun yeah. Kelly band, but Yoko Ono is fucking running <laughs> that goddamn shit. Yeah. Trust me, brother. Like, no way. She, the creator of the whole Who branded him, bought him the gun that <laughs> he's named after. To that... do with the... I figured she would just take a back seat to all right. of that. Turns out she likes to be a gangster. She's, hey, I, she's Sharon Osbourne. And I, he's Ozzy. I do. That's yes. what's happening. See, it like... is. He left Black Sabbath, started Ozzy, which with Randy Rhodes and all these other people could not better than black sabbath but was at least on par with them and then he hooked up with osborne now she's in charge of everything sharon was my machine gun sharon (laughs) catherine catherine where's my machine gun catherine you're selling my shells for five bucks a pop but then as the 30s roll on the depression hits and money then he starts eating bats fucking even robin banks starts getting rough the, the banks try to rob him back. He's like, give me all your money. Well, they hand him a So we were hoping you had something to drop yes. off, to be quite frank. <laughs> I mean, we're already kind of hit. We were hoping for a deposit. I was going to hang myself, actually. Yeah. I was hoping you were the guy that would save my life. <laughs> Sir, can you please just shoot me? <laughs> Forget about the rob. I, I'll give you a dollar. I have a dollar of my own. I will give you if you shoot me in the face. I live in Oklahoma in the Depression. My children just died in the Dust Bowl, and I'm working at a bank with no money. Will you just fucking shoot me? (laughs) Catherine, he says he wants me to shoot him. (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks, and we'll be back in a minute. Monitor the area carrying curved swords, slither in the 
when they murder me. left off machine gun kelly had started a successful career robbing banks with his little crew of guys in the 30s a lot of different gangsters started moving towards kidnapping ransom big money and uh some of them thought it was easier than bank robbing he had to run <laughs> they just keep on coming up. bootlegging oh fuck bootleg you know it's cool you know what that new robbing shit is banks oh robbing banks sucks you know what that new thing is kidnapping a <laughs> couple more years they're gonna be you know this new shit they invented heroin that's the way we have to go. Oh, man, you know what this new shit is? Starting a business. And oh, no, you know what this new shit is? Starting a business, then doing tax breaks, and then just paying illegal offshore accounts and laundering your money. And all these guys were kidnapping people, but then there's this guy, uh, Elvin Carpus. His name was Creepy Carpus, and he ran with the Barker gang. I don't know what's worse, <laughs> Elvin Carpus or Creepy Carpus. Right. They're both rough. not good. Yeah. But, which uh, Lester Carpus? <laughs> But you know, like Ma Barker and the Barker gang, he ran with them at one point. It wasn't the creepy Carpus gang. He had a Carpus gang at some point. They were the creeps. But he kidnapped the son of the guy that owned Ham. So Ham beat Brewing. Beer. Oh, I thought you just meant the meat. How does one own pork? (laughs) No, yeah, the guy that owned all bacon. He created No, Ham's beer. Yeah, with the like double M's. It's it's not big around here, but it's like a... That Twin Peaks down there has it. But it's alcoholics, like a, dude, that's all they drink is ha- cases of hams. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's one like, of those. Things, you've seen it before. It's an old brewery and shit. Anyways, it's old money. I'll take your word for it. I believe you. Well, they they fucking stole this guy's kid, ham brew beer. When you do hear of it, they stole their kid and they paid a hundred thousand dollars and they you got away with it. You gotta give us twenty thousand kegs. So that's like a huge kidnapping. So there's some of these guys are getting to make a hundred thousand dollars, and people are like. Fuck yeah, kidnapping. See, so, that's why you don't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. You do it once, they all think. That's why yeah, I'm with there you go. It's going to work. Has no one seen Mel Gibson and Ransom? Well, you rob Tupelo, not. Mississippi for 38 grand and almost breaks the state. <laughs> They're talking about you grab this fucking bratty ass kid and his pops is going to give us 100 grand. 
That's double, almost triple of what fucking they had in Tupelo. You know what I mean? So it's more money. It's an easier stop. But there's humans involved. I'm sure, you know. It's always fucks everything up. I have a, you you go pick up your own 12-year-old kid. You'd be wanting to drop the little motherfucker off somewhere. Like, imagine kidnapping one and be like, all right, man, your dad didn't give me the 100 grand. I don't want to feed you. I don't want to hear your fucking shit. Machine Gun Kelly's in the car. He's like, not for nothing, but bottles of bourbon did not wine this much. One of the first times they tried to do a kidnapping, they planned it out. They were going to rob off oil baron's son, or they're going to kidnap an oil baron's son. Little did they know Carnegie <laughs> didn't care about his son. No, they fucked up and they did rob him at first. So like, <laughs> damn it, force a habit. We're fucked up. Here's your money back. We're just going to take you. New on the job. First day, really. My mistake. So that was the plan. They work it all out. They surveil it. They get ready to go. Got a foolproof plan. And they're like, we got to flip these two cops. And they find two corrupt cops. And they send in Catherine Thorne to go like get them to flip. To and, go and, corrupt them. And they're like, well, yeah, we'll do it. Woody was the plan and they think they're going to flip her she finds out that they're not serious they're trying to flip her the whole thing goes south i would love to be a fly on the wall and this all takes place in like 30 seconds like it's that quick she's like hey thinking about kidnapping this kid the cops are like all right cool tell us uh, your plan tell us your plan no are you trying to get me to tell you your plan no are you trying to get us to kidnap this kid no. Are you guys really going to help me? <laughs> like, well, yeah. They just stare at each other for a second, like just back out of frame slowly. Well, the problem was they just started putting surveillance on the kid. And they're like, well, fuck. Well, now we can't steal them anyways. She Everybody. comes back to the kid, to the car and like, how'd it go? I don't know. They're going to watch the kid now. We can't get that. <laughs> like, that did not go how we thought it was going to. So then they figure we got to plan something out better. So yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah, you think? don't walk up to two cops and tell them what you're going to do. So, Hey, you guys accepting bribes today? Uh, Machine guns. Kelly's like, I don't know. She always convinced me to do shit. And I figured uh, she just- got, she got me to leave the goat farm behind. I mean, and look where I am today. <laughs> so they find this guy in Indiana and he's like this rich manufacturer and his dad was a banker. So they, they follow him. And one day he's coming home from the theater with his wife and they're following him. Then they run the car off the road and Machine Gun Kelly and his other dude jump in the car and they take off with it. And then they get out of town and then they just take the guy in their car and leave the lady in their, in her car and they take off and take uh, the dude, leave the broad. Yeah. She drives straight back to town and calls the cops. Oh, the whole time Machine Gun Kelly's just pissed. Ah, you son of a successful dad, and then you wound up being successful and didn't turn into a life of crime. Fuck you. This guy's name was Howard Howard Wolverton. They demand $50,000 ransom, and Wolverton said no. Wolverton sounds like a $50,000 name. So he's like, I don't got $50,000. And then they call his family, and his family's like, no, we don't got $50,000. Then why don't you sell some of your wolves? You have a ton of them. So... He, they were just like, well, no, we know you're rich and you got a bunch of money. And they're like, well, I mean, we're kind of rich, but we don't got much money. We don't got $50,000. We don't and, care uh, about Jimmy there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, so they don't know what to do. So they just drive around Indiana with him in a car for two days. He's part of the gang. He joins, though. <laughs> See, my old lady's a bitch, too, machine gun. I know how it is. I don't know how they don't even hold up in like a hotel or something. Yeah, they're not hiding oh, out. No, keep it. Keep it running. <laughs> keep it running. <laughs> It's uh, best if people see him, then they won't think he's kidnapped. Keep it moving. So after a couple of days, they're like, well, shit, what are this, we supposed to do? This kidnapping cannot drop below now 55 miles Now he's costing us money. Hour. Jimmy, he's, we're feeding him. We're yeah. fucking putting him up in hotel rooms with us. Like, yeah. 
he's an expensive kidnap. So eventually they're like, well, yeah, it's not working out. Like, so, okay. So they're like, now, now we need 50,000 in gas alone. <laughs> yeah. They tell them, okay, well, if we let you go, you got to go get the $50,000. So <coughs> you can trust me. I'm going to go right now. Well, yeah, he says, for sure, I can go get it. For I don't, sure, dude. Yeah. I got the first ATM card. Let me out of this car. <laughs> the guy they kidnapped is the only one capable of collecting the ransom. So he's like, fuck yeah, and I let him go, and he just leaves and shit, and he never gets the money and shit. And well, at like, that fuck. point, though, that's a good yeah. 50-50. Hey, maybe this dude's such a jackass green motherfucker, he'll come back with the money, or we don't got to shoot him in this cornfield either. Like, we don't have to murder him for no reason. Like, <laughs> or they they got so fucked up, they wound up just robbing him, just trying to rob him. And he like, had 23 bucks on him. Yeah. Like, like, it started as a kidnapping, like, well, at this point, we'll just rob him. Like, this is the opposite of how we started. They took his 23 bucks and realized, like, yeah, but we bought him a steak dinner last night. He went to the poker game with we us. We drove he, around Indiana. We wasted all of our gas. <laughs> we spent way more than 23 bucks yeah, on they him. let him go. We're like, all right, we're going to circle the county. We're going to be back at noon. Make sure yeah. you have the money by then. Hey, Meet and- us here with no cops. And you know, you know what I mean? Like, how do you set that up? Hey, and that's a 1930s car, too. That's not a new car where you're just logging fucking miles like that. Like, you need to tune up on that motherfucker before yeah. you leave town, right? Wolverton said after after several threatening phone calls, he never heard from them again. So at that point, they were just like telemarketer, like yeah. bill collectors. I'd like yeah. to speak to a Mr. Wolverton. Yeah, it's me, asshole. I thought you were going to meet me back at the fucking diner. That started as a kidnapping, turned into a road trip, downgraded to a robbery, then ended up with failed debt collections. What? Define a couple threatening phone calls, though. You know what? If you don't pay me, we're going to kidnap you again. We will do it again. So what they didn't realize, they were trying all these kidnappings and it wasn't working. So the prohibition is so fun. Like the fucking Al Capone and the it fucking, it, you know, they're just drinking and fighting and whatever. Giving out get turkeys. Down with it. fucking... It's a good time. It's just a ballroom blitz. Yeah. And then the thirties hit and the depression hits and it's all fucking bank robbing and dust bowls and fucking, you know, NASCAR fucking races on the back roads. It was and... the next day after the party where you wake yeah. up, you feel like shit and you don't know what you got stained on your shirt and everything's a mess and it's a blur. What the fuck happened? We shot up what? <laughs> So the Lindbergh baby kidnapping happens in uh, in 1932, and it's a terrible tragedy, so you can look into it, but it changes the game as far as kidnapping laws. So all of a sudden, if you kidnap and cross the state line, it becomes federal. That was a big deal. Yeah, that almost created the FBI as we know it. It also increased the time. Kidnapping also used to be a small-time thing. That's another reason you would do it. It changed it to this federal crime where you could get life or sometimes even like the death penalty for kidnapping. Because baby died. Stop being polite and started getting real. Everybody always goes too far, right? It's fun. It everybody's wrong. Ba- it's all fun and games till a baby dies. Then well, people do not take that lightly. 32 or whatever, you're less than 100 years after the Civil War. So you're not where it wasn't that bad to kidnap people. You're you're 70 years away from where we used to own people in, yeah. in that time. So. All these federal rules change, but these dummies don't know. They're just trying to get this kidnapping thing working. He finally decides on, they get a, a real plan this time. This one's going to work. Is, this is going to work. And they land on this wealthy island. Last I- time they had a couple kinks, you know, they yeah. ironed them out. They went back to the drawing board. They uh, thought things through this time. That's why you have scrimmages, right? This ain't an yeah. easy game. This time we're not letting the guy go to get the money that we kidnapped, though. No, that was I the first time in that. the ring, you know what I mean? It's different mm-hmm. in the gym. They went in the ring. 
you know, bricks don't hit back. So they went, <laughs> they went into the ring this time around, and they fucking now they know what's up. This time around, they got it. So they land on wealthy oil tycoon Charles Urschel. Did they make sure he had money this time? <laughs> no, he's got money. This guy's rich. See, any check, oil guy. Check he's got mark money. number one. They figured mm-hmm. that part out. We won't have to let you go in the middle of the night, and you're going to go get it, right? (laughs) Now we'll just make sure we don't tell cops our plan, and we're already doing better than our first two attempts. And no matter what, do not let them go, no matter if they do pinky swear that they're going to give you the money. They never do. Dude, never Never works out. No matter how many times you call them. They stroll up in their house while they're in there playing bridge with another couple. Machine Gun Kelly's got his machine gun and his boy Elbert Bates got a thirty-eight. They sit down for a hand to bridge. <laughs> well, this is a pleasant little mm-hmm. evening you guys are having. Mind if we join? I will have another scone. Thank you. So they come in and they're like, which one of you is Charles Urschel? And nobody says anything, so they just take both the dudes. It's probably the one of the guys. Yeah. The lady's like, please, please, shoes, shoes. Leave them by the door. Leave your guns in the umbrella holder. Thank you, gentlemen. So they kidnap both the dudes. And they take off. They are always leaving the ladies. They are not yeah. pro-kidnapping ladies. And this one, you thought last one was expensive. Which one's the broke ass? Like, you guys got to tell me right now I'm shooting you both. Who's broke? Because you're getting kicked out the car. <laughs> they take them 12 miles out of town, and then they go through their wallets. The guy- this time, <laughs> we're going to stop in this one spot. We're not going to keep driving in circles. We're saving our gas. We're saving learning. Our gas. We are learning. <laughs> Baby and- steps. They figure out which one's him, and they take the other guy, and they steal. They steal $51 from him. Ooh, see? They're already see? 51 ahead. They're already they're baby steps. They're growing. We're kidnapping. All right, we're this in this working. now. Now, All do right. they keep 51, or do they uh, no, let they him go? No. no, they let him go. Okay. Yeah, they take his money, and they let him go. Okay, so this is more of a robbery than a kidnapping. All right, but that's one guy. We still got another one. We're going. You know? Well, they don't want him. He don't got money. But they still got They got to carry this guy around. Yeah, so they take the guy. So they keep the real guy, and they take him. They wrap his eyes up, and they stick fucking, like, cotton balls in his ears and tape him up, and they throw him in the car, and they bounce Wait, out. Wait, do they sure. spin him around first <laughs> yep. so he loses <laughs> a sense of direction? <laughs> yep. they then they give him a wiffle ball bat and see if he can hit a home run? Hey, well, spoiler alert, they should have. He just listens down the dirt road like it's where it turns into the paved road. Like, yep, we're by the Fletcher's Pond. Like, yeah, uh, I got where we're Regardless of what you think of him, this country boy is daredevil. So you can fucking Turns out he has a particular set of skills. And it's hearing and seeing shit and knowing where the fuck he's at, even when he's blindfolded with fucking plugs in his ears. Well, now this is like taken if they kidnap Liam Neeson. They transfer him from a series of cars until he's finally taken to a place where he's held for eight days while they rolled out this complicated plan to ransom him for $200,000. You transfer cars when another car is following you so that they don't pick up him, the physical guy, being put in a different car. That had nothing to do with fooling him up. This guy eventually says, uh, he's like, yeah, they moved me from a... Uh, a Ford to a Chevy to no, a... No, he said he moved me, they moved me from like a regular four-door to a seven-seater. He to could a tell by the... Van? Well, no, this rich guy could tell by the feel like of the car, like yeah, what, what size shit this he is a was big in. Car. Like... And their plan works, and it's really complicated, but it works. They made him run... They said, run this ad in the paper, and we'll know... <laughs> that you got this and everything's on board and if you don't we're gonna fucking kill him and they ran the ad and shit oh, a little secret code ad. yeah because well, the police shit. but the police wouldn't be in on that they wouldn't run, run the fake ad you know well the police well now that the limber baby died they're like well look we ain't fucking around so just do it and they're like you got the money and they're like fuck yeah we got the money and they're like just do it do yeah. whatever they tell them to do so they do it but their plan's real complicated and slick and they get the fucking 200 grand it's all in 20s 
They wanted. I love how the cops are just like, yeah, I don't know, just pay him. Let us know how it goes. I mean, if they show up, we'll arrest them. Something goes bad, just you know, whistle or something. We'll come. So not only do they pay him the two hundred grand, they paid him two hundred grand in twenties. <laughs> Fuck. Awesome. So Machine Gun Kelly's from Ecorse. <laughs> yeah. I want two hundred grand in twenties. They're like, hey, Matt, we can get this all in one hundreds. Nah, get it in twenties. You know how big of a stack that would be, man. We could put it on the gram. Have somebody come paint a picture of it, yep. and we can carry it around and show it to people. We could sit on top of it. We could make money chairs, man. Straight balling. Straight balling. So uh, they get the money, and everything goes off smooth. They divvy up between all these people they had that uh, helped See? them out. Dust yourself mm-hmm. up and try again. This is an inspirational story. If you don't mm-hmm. succeed the first couple times, you know, as Aaliyah would say, dust yourself off and try again. Try again. Everybody got paid, and they had a bunch extra, and they buried caches all around Texas. <laughs> That's awesome. They were so old school. We're just going to bury it. <laughs> don't put it in, in banks. They mm-hmm. get robbed. You know what doesn't By get us. robbed? The dirt, the dirt holes in the ground. They finally released Urschel. They dropped him off in a spot that was like 47 miles from where he was supposed to. So they gave him some money and dropped him off. He was like, here, you get home from here or whatever. And they told him, whatever you do, we're going to let you go. We should just kill you. We got the money. I love that. That's Don't like a tell. weird three at the end. Like, hey, just so you know, we could kill you. So, like, we're pretty cool dudes right now. We're letting you go without even stabbing you at all. So just, you remember that, man, that we're pretty awesome yeah. guys. Keep that yeah. in mind. How cool Just remember that. And he said, if you call the police or the feds. I mean, that wouldn't be you. cool. We could have killed you. Don't do that. I mean, remember, we're cool dudes. You should be a cool dude, too. That would be pretty mean if you called and told on us. Cool dudes don't call cops on other cool dudes. Did I ever tell you about uh, the ham guy? Like, we let him go. He's going to get us the money. He never even came back. Yeah. Don't, don't you fucking tell on us. Don't be a ham, dude. Don't be a ham. Don't be a ham. Be and, cool. Uh, be cool. And Ursula's like, yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, I ain't gonna tell. I mean, yeah, my cool. homeboys. I'm totally cool. You guys. I don't even want it's my me. 200 grand back. Aww. It's the Urshdog. We've been chilling, okay. man. It's me. I ain't gonna. I'm a cool. Urshdog's right to the police station. I tell you this: if they'd have killed Charles Urschel, they'd have got away with it. They 100% would have, because the FBI had nothing. Like absolutely See? fucking zero. And that's what like, sucks, because Urschel ruined it for all future victims. Because now, yeah. it's it's fool me once, shame on, fool me can't get fooled again. You know, they let the one guy go, he didn't pay yeah. him. You know, that's on them. This guy, they got paid. They're like, hey, man, be cool. Don't tell. And he goes, now they're definitely going to kill they, the they next gotta kill, kid. You got to kill the next and guy. Now that, but all, now that's the standard rule is, well, dude, I want to let him go, but if I do, we're probably going to get caught. So, like, now we have to alpha dog him. Now it's alpha dog time. Unfortunately for the gang, Urschel was extremely perceptive. He had amazing memory, and he had kept track of everything as far as he could. So he was he like, really was Liam Neeson. Yeah. He was counting seconds. Turn left, two, three. Four. So one of the things he was uh, thinking of is he heard when they had to fill up for gas, he heard somebody talking about the crops. So he's like listening to like what their crops were and shit. And how the how the cops always tried to snatch them. These pigs want to blow my house down. The whole time he was being held, he was taking mental notes of passing airplanes, time of day, based off questions he asked the captors and overhearing conversations. Crop dusting and stuff. So he'd hear this plane come by at the same time. And what was weird is, like, sometimes you'd hear the guys, they would talk to each other, and they'd be like, what time is it? And they would say this, and he'd just listen. But then he said at one point once, the pl- he would really needed to know what time these planes were coming by. And he waited. He purposely waited a little bit, and he asked what time it was, and the guy told him. <laughs> so he just 
Don't right away. Yeah. So tomorrow when they <laughs> ride by and he hears the plane at one o'clock every day. Yeah. So now we just figure out in close proximity to me where were this yeah. like where do they? It, and one day us? it rained and he like when the the days that it rained the plane didn't come by and, and he just had all these notes like he would count steps that different voices from people where they would walk to. But see, they fucked up. They didn't know they are kidnapping a nerd. They kidnapped Rain Man. Yeah, for real. So they... You should have known by the time this guy was autistic. So they basically broke out a farmer's almanac and looked at, okay, where are the crops where there's a flight path? And he he knew shit. Like, at one point, somebody told him, we got four cows. That's two good pieces for detective, though. Like, you find... Where they're crop dusting, if a farm in that proximity has only four cows, like, hey. If I was the cops, I'd be like, well, hey, man, you want to join the force or something? Like, yeah. you want to be our best detective Well, he's ever? a rich oil man. He don't give a fuck about that. He's got so much money. And he purposely was touching everything he could. So the whole time, like, everything he could, he was just trying to leave his fingerprints. So this guy really was, like, autism. Because, I mean, this is all smart, but you also have to have a weird frame of mind, like to, a Rain Man frame like, of mind to just do all this short sort of shit. Because even today, most people don't know that. And we are, like, true crime... Like, we're all murderinos. Like, everybody's into true crime, into all this shit. Like, we have a very good basis on what to do if you're kidnapped, all this sort of shit. This is way back before any of that. And this guy's fucking counting steps, touching, feeling things. This guy had, like, a weird fucking Sherlock Holmes frame of mind, at least, to be in that mindset. Well, even back then, even though it's 100 years ago, when you're a millionaire, you're... You're smart. He's probably yeah, smart. He got there. So he had a sharp mind for yeah. sure. Well, that's what I'm, like. I'm only halfway joking when I say some sort of autism. Like he probably well, has that, and he's probably one of those businessmen that is like really into his books, like charts all his numbers down. One of the things that helped, he was an oil man, and at one point he said, "We went by these oil fields, and I can hear the the dice." He said, "I can hear the noise and smell it." He could tell you the model. Yes, of the he well knew like. <laughs> well, okay. There's only so many places uh, that have that kind of fucking oil field. Like you know, and you're on a freeway, so they just start looking at this shit. Like, well, where's an oil field that has a road like, oh, near well, it? So they figure out it's in Paradise, Texas. So they just go to Paradise, Texas, and they look at a farm that's got four cows and whatever, and they find the Shannon farm, which it turns out Mrs. Shannon, who's kind of a gangster. And raised Catherine Thorne's kid. And was married to this dude, Shannon. And she had convinced him to lease out hiding space to gangsters on his farm. So he was running a legit farm, but it was the Depression. So she got him in the business of like, look, we ain't even doing nothing. Sometimes you got to rent out the garage to pay rent. They're well, in the garage. Uh, Airbnb for gangsters. But they end up tracing it back there and they bust them. And uh, they roll on them pretty quick. And they're like, yeah, it's George Kelly. At that point... There becomes a nationwide manhunt for George Machine Gun Kelly. And the FBI is now front and center on kidnapping. That's their go-to thing. And uh, Machine Gun Kelly becomes public enemy number one. And he's got these posters up that have him described as an expert machine gunner. <laughs> Based off of really, like, nothing. There's no information to say he's yeah. an expert machine gunner. I but love how this whole machine well, gun Catherine thing is just Well, Catherine fucking probably illusion. wrote that for the uh, editorial. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, he's, that's a, what he's a trick shot artist. He, uh... Like, for real, she just started saying, like, the whole thing is a fucking illusion. Like, it's crazy. Like, I'm trying, and there probably is, like, a real, uh, like, at least in movies or whatever example of this. It's almost like the main, like... You simply adopted the darkness. I was born. Like, he wasn't a gangster at all. Just mm-hmm. one day he just started doing criminal stuff. And then, like, his 
girl handed him a gun and said, hey, this is you now. He's like, okay. He was half a gangster, but he found some chick he really liked. Yeah. Fucking... He just had a good publicist. It's fucking crazy. So he's public enemy number one. 21 different people were arrested in connection with the kidnapping or as accessories before or after the fact. But um, that's probably all because he played by the honor system and other people mm-hmm. didn't. They're just liars, lying liars. So George and Catherine went on the run. They were in hiding. They bounced from state to state. Kelly dyed his hair blonde, and Catherine wore a red wig. And he stopped being a rapper and started doing <laughs> covers of Nirvana songs, and then getting beast with Slipknot, and then that ruined his career again. Re-ruined it. Yeah. She's going to go to a genre, suck, make fun of the kings of that genre, get kicked out of it, then go to a different one. So when you tell Eminem, I'm named after a gangster, yeah. like, well, are you? Yeah. I don't know. You look in the history of that name? Was that a gangster? Next is going to go into country and get into a beef with Hank Williams Jr. or something. He's going to go get lost on Kane Brown's property with him. In September, the FBI get a tip they are hiding out in Memphis, Tennessee. September 26th, they conduct this raid. There's different stories. Like, So some people say he went out and got the paper and didn't lock the door. Some people say he was just coming out of the bathroom. But either way, he was unarmed in his pajamas and hung over. <laughs> and he kept saying, don't shoot, G-Men, don't shoot. But I bet you he did it in more of a hungover, like, in his like, pajamas. Well, like, hey, well, hey, well, don't well, shoot, well, G-Men, well, don't well, shoot. Well, yeah, uh, him and Catherine. They were just both in there hungover. And passed. She was passed <laughs> out. He was hungover. They were tried together. Everybody else was tried separate. And Catherine immediately claimed that she was innocent. So for the federal criminal system, this was a big trial. For So there's a bunch of things. It was the first. It was the first federal trial where film cameras were allowed. It was the first kidnapping trials after the passage of the Lindbergh Laws. It was the first major case solved by J. Edgar Hoover's FBI. And... It was the first prosecution where defendants were transported by airplane. He was the first on Con Air. Which I think is fitting. He's pretty bougie, right? Well, and it was the biggest, we're going to make an example out of it. Because like you said, it was after the Lindbergh baby. One. Yeah. yeah. Well, Let's make a fucking salacious, like a big, like we do with our court dates now. Like with the, oh man, there's cameras there. There's It's a big show and like whoever's on trial. Well, like like most recently, the Rittenhouse or the Chauvin guy or the whoever fuck. Yeah, it's plus, a big deal. It's like, a huge deal. Like I said, like this started when the Lindbergh thing happened, that was Hoover's big push to create the FBI and go across state lines and do all that sort of shit. So that started. So this was his first big case to prove why it was my needed. FBI yeah. is working. We're, so he wanted to do a big, this was his yeah, the publicity most making stuff. example. Yeah. That's why they probably liked feeding into the whole machine gun Kelly myth and making it sound like he was this big machine gunner so that it sounds like a bigger deal. Well, right down the, to where he's saying, don't shoot G men. Like that's a real, cause it's so salacious. Like if we would have popped machine gun Kelly, no, no witness, no paparazzi, nobody around. Like, yeah, we went there. The most dangerous machine gunner on earth opened fire on my federal agent. So we killed, you know, they'll just make like they do today. They'll just mm-hmm. make up some shit, whatever the sexy story is. So at least he was, he was a goof, but at least uh machine gun knew enough to say, Hey, Whoa. I'm going to be, I'm going to be big news. Even if you guys take me and have the big fucking trial or you blow me away in a million pieces, 
Well, I mean, so, going back to what I here. said before, it doesn't sound like he's not a big shootout, like, sort of run him and gun him. Sort of that whole thing is a lie. So, like, well, he's fairly soft. Yeah, and he's all hung over mm-hmm. in his pajamas. Like, of course, like, hey, I'm trying to get to a shootout. I'm fucking. But since there were no witnesses, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. If they would have blew they him away. He could have fucking just shot him. Yeah. But, uh. He came out blazing. Two machine guns in each hand. 21 people were sent to, like convicted overall to various charges. Some were like years, you know, a couple years here or there. Shit. But him, Catherine, Albert Hayes, and the Dean of American Bank Robbers, Harvey, Harvey Bailey. The main culprits. Got, those four all got life in prison. That's the big making of yeah. the example. On October 12th, 1933. So it was real quick. They put him to trial and they're like, yeah, you're fucked. They just ran it through like. Oh, yeah, that's the Nuremberg, the Nuremberg trials. Like, hey, mm-hmm. it's on TV. Everybody's going to see it. Instant fucking sentencing. Let's go. So now this is where he made the biggest mistake of his career. So they transferred him to Leavenworth. Other than letting his victims go? They transferred him to Leavenworth. And uh, he tells the press. he gets He's like real arrogant with prison officials. And he tells the press that he's going to break out. And he's going to break his wife out. And they're going to be together by Christmas. <laughs> You're making some bold claims. Yeah. Well, after J. Edgar Hoover, this power-tripping little dude already made an example of you. Like, oh, we can't have him escape. So they weren't a fan, so they're like, all right. So then we're going to send you to Alcatraz. Nobody escapes the rock. <laughs> so he could have just did his time in Leavenworth. And he's like, I don't want to do time in Leavenworth. Fuck you, I'll escape. <laughs> and they're like, all right, well. I'm too stupid to do my time here. <laughs> and at his time on the rock, is he not there at the same time? Uh, we get a, a El Capone there and a few other... Big names. Yeah, so he goes there. Him, Elber Bates, and Harvey Bailey all go there. His prisoner number was 117. So that's very early yeah. in the Alcatraz process. He almost made top 100. Yeah. Well, does it he say was, Does it say? And why? that's his career, right? Yep. You're almost... Just right outside yeah. of top 100. 117. Why did Bates and uh, the Dean go there? Like they He, he only there. went there... Oh, they went there originally? Well, they were bigger gangsters, though. So, so he, they were more likely to escape. He wouldn't Well, no, they there. had bigger criminal records. So they had records where they had already been escaping prison. So they were only sending the worst to Alcatraz. So all these guys that he was running with were worse than him. They had, like, these... But Kelly guys. only went because he said, oh, Leavenworth, yeah. the big house? Yeah. I'm getting out of here Well, he quick. said escape, like, yeah. Why the fuck would you announce that? Because yeah. he he's not smart boy but, or smart yeah. gun Kelly. But Elbert and Harvey Bailey, they already had track records of escaping. So they bet they got there. It was close, but they just beat them there. So they were like some of the very first people to get to Alcatraz. And he gets to Alcatraz. And uh, he was transferred there on September 4th, 1934. And Alcatraz, Kelly would often tell other prisoners tall tales about robberies and murders he never committed. The warden considered him a uh, model prisoner. He worked as an altar boy in the chapel. He was a trustee, and he had an administrative role in the office. And he uh, worked in the laundry, too. And then he'd tell all these bullshit stories, but he was Captain Company Man and shit. Yeah. No, but, I asked yeah, him Yeah, about... so that's when I shot this other motherfucker. Prisoner 117, coming! <laughs> His tall tales, and then there was the fact that he come in his machine gun, Kelly, and everybody's like, oh, fuck, better get ready. Machine Gun Kelly's coming to Alcatraz and shit, and he gets there, and he's like, uh... Well, those real hardened guys could fucking put him up and do it to it. Like, him, like, they're probably like, okay, even if you could Uh fucking spell your name in cursive with the the bullets, Um, you're not a tough guy. Oh, Machine Gun Kelly, he could fight. He said he could fight. But, I mean, he could, like, frat boy fight. 
Like if you yeah. wanted to put him, yeah. like he could fucking scrap. You grew him. up in money yeah. as a kid. I mean, he was scrappy. Scra- I would he, say scrappy esque. Yeah, not scrappy. Not prison scrappy. <laughs> Scrappish. Yeah. But the Dean, yeah. those guys, those guys yeah. are probably really scrappy. Yeah, they're in prison and shit. Yeah. And uh, it earned him the nickname Pop Gun Kelly. It's terrible. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Pop Gun Kelly. All the time that you were Machine Gun Kelly isn't worth one second of being called Pop Gun Kelly. No. That's like some Eminem should have called uh, Machine Gun Kelly during their little beef. Well, he should now, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's they're not wrong. In 1951, after 17 years, he was transferred back to Leavenworth. After a promise note, he would not try to escape. You know what, you guys? I was just talking shit. I won't escape. I think Leavenworth could hold me. Probably. I was was just playing, y'all. Those was jokes. Bates died in prison in, like, the 40s. The Dean Amin eventually got... He was doing life, but he eventually got paroled. Uh, paroled and got out and died like an old man out of prison. He wrote a book where he said that... That's on his tombstone, died like an old man. Even better, no. He said that Killer Burke wasn't in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre because he was at a robbery with him at a place far oh, away he... on Saint, on Saint, on Valentine's Day that year. On July 18th, 1954, he died of a heart attack on his birthday. Damn, he... Blew too hard at those candles. Catherine was released in 1958. She changed her name to Lara Cleo Kelly and got a job as a bookkeeper at a hospital. She died in 1985 at 81 years old. All the other caches of the money was never found. It's still all buried out there. So Machine Gun Kelly, he used to, like when people would send, he would always get real sad when people send him letters. So like everybody else always got excited when it was like mail time. He was always like got real down and shit. Like he never wanted mail and he didn't do a lot of out correspondence, but when he did, he used to write like Urschel a lot and used to like ask him to fucking uh, forgive him. Yeah, he'd ask him to forgive him and ask to see if he could get him out of there and shit. And he'd never do it. And, and he really thought he could get out. He's like, dude, I'm a, I didn't kill anybody. And people got out. There's a lot of people we've covered, like James yeah. Lucas. So these guys don't go to the fucking Alcatraz and do like. Well, the fucking Dean Amin yeah. was much more gangster than Machine Gun. Yeah. And he got know. out. But he was a big name, and uh, I don't know, he did something to piss him off. And uh, he always thought he could get out, and he never fucking did. And he died in there and shit of a heart attack. So he might have been 54, he might have been 59. Either way. Whatever he, whatever his son said he was born. So that's the story of Machine Gun Kelly. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. So what do you think? Uh, who do you think play Machine Gun Kelly? Man, I can't stand the dude himself, but like, a, like a Kevin Spacey-ish kind of dude. Like, a, I don't know. The guy I think that would be good because when I hear this story, it, it's almost like a comedy to me because I just see it all as a lie or whatever. Like I see Machine Gun Kelly as just this this drunk dude that just sort of went along with it, that just sort of went with it. So. I think of Billy Magnuson, who, he's one of those, oh, that guy. He's a funny, blonde dude who's in a whole bunch of shit. He was in a Game Night with Jason Bateman he and Rachel McAdams. He played the ditzy blonde guy. He's in a series on HBO called Love. He was on that. He's just, he's been in a lot of shit. He was in a James Bond movie, The Big Short. Just about, he's one of those... 
oh, that guy. Oh, as a matter of fact, uh, he played the ditzy prince in uh, the Aladdin live action. And I think he's actually, they might be doing a spinoff where he's getting his own Disney Plus show as that doofus What'd you say his prince. Name was? Billy Magnuson. He's just a classic, one of those, oh, that guy sort of guys. But he just plays like a ditzy sort of guy. But he can also play intimidating. Like, I could see him being a mobster at the same time. That's uh, And he's he's kind of, he usually plays a ladies' man. and That's Pauly from uh, Many Saints of Newark. It was young Pauly. Oh, is he okay. in that movie? Yeah, yeah he is. Young he is. Yeah, you know, I think he is, yeah. That's what, yeah. See? I didn't know where it was, but when as soon as you said yeah. that name, that's what I'm saying. I wasn't, I wasn't those, fucking crazy. I knew it was. Something. I didn't know where it yeah. was, but like all that crap Dan named, yeah. I didn't recognize none of. Like I didn't remember that's a face from any of that crap, but I the Magnuson yeah. name, and I couldn't think of the fucking where. And as soon yeah. as you said it, like, yep, he was in that. Young Polly. Yeah, he's just one of those. Like I said, just a character actor, just kind of like one of those. Oh, that guy. Like, Which we won't get into it because we could. We're well, we have something recorded. We could always do another one on the Many Saints of Newark. But I, I like Billy Magnuson's performance as a, a young Pauly in Many Saints of Newark. The stuff I don't like about him isn't the, the it's, yeah, but na- that's not the him. Details, that's the story right. that's the, and the writing. writing and shit, and you can't do nothing about that. But but yep, I like him because I like Many. I'm a Many Saints of New York defender. So See, like, and that's the thing is I like him in all of the comedies. Uh, I didn't even think of him as that. Like now that you say it, like oh yeah, he did. I got a bunch of pictures of him. See, John Hamm would be good too. John Hamm would be a good dude to play him. I think he's a little too big though. Like for. I don't know. Well, well see, I, I mean, do a mixture of what they look then. like. But I think I, it could work. Yeah. But I no, it's it. not only looks. Well, I also think of what I'm envisioning in my in my head. Like, what kind of movie would this be? Well, like a, what kind of character? Okay, so what would I'm thinking be? is like, okay, big and handsome, but dumb enough to control. Oh, definitely is a John yeah. Han type. Because John Han is a big. He like he's a big handsome dude, but he's not like a like he's a controllable dude like yeah. by a girl like that's for yeah. sure. But that's see. the thing you also have to see him as a mob like he has to walk in there with a gun and say, "Hey, I'm kidnapping you," and you yeah. have to believe him. He can do that goofy shit like the silly yeah. stuff. All right, so uh, so now we gotta do the DefCon scale. Our uh, standard DefCon scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. But the bad guy podcast, there's no good guys. So five would be Lee Murray, who's a bank robbing, drug-dealing kidnapper. And one would be the Purple Gang, who's got multiple robberies, multiple gang wars, and they kill people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Machine Gun Kelly? I'm going to give him right in the middle of the pack. He did do some dirt, but he's not the killer like he was fluffed up to be. His wife kind of let him. George Barnes... It's like Gene Simmons without the makeup. Then Machine Gun Kelly is when he's done up as the butt lizard or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's his character. <laughs> the, butt, the butt lizard. So. <laughs> I don't think he's ever been the butt lizard. Oh, he is today. He, he is today. Uh, the butt lizard king. What do you think? I mean, it's so weird because you always hear Machine Gun Kelly and he's known as this big guy. But when you hear the story, I'm I'm going with a five. He he's a step up from Lee. He's Lee Murray with a publicist. Like he got caught everything he did, and and he kept on getting caught because he's not a bad guy. Because he would let people go. He never shot nobody. He didn't do anything. 
His lady ran him, created him. The whole thing was a facade. He's really a nothing. The only reason why he's even famous is because he happened to do the big kidnapping after Lindbergh and they wanted to make an example of him and they didn't want to crush the Machine Gun Kelly facade. They wanted it to be big because a hero is only as good as his villain. So they needed a big name. This villainous, like you said, they have him down as a machine gun marksman, which I mean, maybe he did shoot it. Maybe he was good at shooting it, but he, he sure didn't never, want to. Yeah, he never fucked anybody. He didn't up. want to fire it into yeah. a crowd. As or... soon as he found out Homeboy didn't have any money, they just let him go. I mean, they kept his fifty-one dollars, but hey, they gas drove money. that motherfucker around Indiana for two days. Yeah, Uber, Uber gets paid more than fifty-one dollars. So shit, that, that the first guy got, yeah. like, hey, you gonna bring us back the money? That's cool. what I'm saying. He kept on getting caught by not being a bad guy by letting people go by. Being on the honor system, this guy is a five. He didn't hurt anyone. He did crimes. That's what we're saying. Nobody's a good guy. And this story is really mind-boggling because I always hear Machine Gun Kelly and you always put him up there with these things. But hearing the story, yeah, he's a five. He didn't He didn't do anything. He kidnapped some people. He's no That's, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, he did not. Like, I wouldn't even put him up in the he's middle. Daniel like, Baldwin. Yeah. He's not even Stephen he's Baldwin. He's not Stephen. Yeah. He's, he's not Steve. He's the one that this don't This man act. is no well, Stephen don't. Baldwin. I mean, actually, he is because he has a good publicist. Like, yeah, he, his true. name is out there. He's famous. If anything, it is his fame. So where He's, did you have him land, Locke? I do have Machine Gun Kelly as a five because I think... Also, it's a name we've always heard, and he's definitely like a government patsy type of guy. Not that he's a patsy like they set him up. He did what he did, but he wasn't a criminal at the level they that... They built him up for their own clout. Right, where it worked, where they could catch him. Because they couldn't catch, like, Pretty Boy Floyd and all these guys. They were going out, blasting and shit like that. That's not the story you want to tell. You want to tell these win stories. And Machine Gun Kelly's way more fucking sizzled than steak. It's Does really... he have any bodies? No. At all? Not even close. He doesn't have a fist fight. Yeah, he's he a grew up rich. Yeah. I yeah, swear he's to... a five all day. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a... I swear I don't have a fist fight. I think he's just... Uh, I really think when I said earlier... So, as far as who could play him or whatever, I guess I should have said that. I think, like, Burt Kreischer, when we said that earlier. <laughs> Burt Kreischer, almost him... Just a little rougher, like a gangster or version, like because he's still not even barely doing crime. I think it's crazy that like everybody we have, so that came as six glasses. So the other six I got up there, out of the six, there was three Depression era bank robbers and three gangsters. And the three gangsters are El Capone, Lucky Luciano, and Bugsy Siegel. And all three of those you can be like, Yep. Who's who of uh, gangsters? Yeah, I mean, even if it's not your top three or whatever, you can can't argue those three are in the top are in ten the conversation yeah. of it. There's and certain then, like a Mount Rushmore right. where whether they're your personal fave, you cannot yeah, those, take those them down from that mountain. But these Depression era ones, it's uh, Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd, and Machine Gun Kelly, and it's like wow, that's a big drop off. Remember, I said there was a a reference to Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Machine Gun Kelly, when the guy was, because uh, he figured out who was who, like he could recognize him by fucking, uh, you know, voice and shit. He hung out with these guys for days. So he knows what they sound like and they talk like and shit. So once he could see him, he knew who was who. And, and Machine Gun Kelly told him that Bonnie and Clyde were uh, two-bit car thieves and gas station robbers. That's that Pop Gun Kelly. Yeah. Stone Cold fucking murderers. Popping <laughs> off at the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Just can't stop saying shit. 
He is depression era Takashi 69. So gangster dude. That's who the fuck guy is. Yeah, so we're gonna go with uh he's a DEFCON 5. That's right. It's going to the streets. Hey y'all, it's revolution up in this bitch. Set the alarm, DEFCON 5. Some guys check out and some guys don't. Like we covered El Capone, it took four episodes, and at the end of the day it checks out. He's as gangster as you think he was. He looks maybe up it, to it. Maybe it was a short amount of time, there's different stuff, but he was gangster. Machine Gun Kelly. Not no. so much. He's barely, made for TV gangster. Barely a criminal. Barely a fucking criminal. Made for TV gangster. All right. Before we go, you guys got anything? Yeah, thank, thanks for coming and thanks for listening, <laughs> yeah. you guys. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Guy coming last place. Last place. Last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead Spent my birthdays in the trap, we had to work with what we had She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the can, man And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands A hundred jugs, a hundred scams, ay, ay. So I don't money grabbed a hundred hams I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie. Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. Pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by.